In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Lent is a penitential season. It is a time for repentance, for what the Lenten collet calls lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness. A time for recognizing the extent of our several infirmities, for seeing that, as the prayer book puts it, there is no health in us, that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, that we are utterly dependent on the God of all mercy. Lent is a penitential season, and also at the very same time, it is what you might call a potent season. It is a time for learning the power of God. It is a time, as today's collect says, for each one of us to find our God mighty to save. Not only mighty to save in a general or theoretical sense, but mighty to save in the specific temptations and trials of your life and of mine. Lent is a time for experiencing the truth of our Lord's words. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Lent is for knowing God as mighty to save. This theme resonates in both our lessons this morning. We see the power of God displayed both in St. Mark's account of Christ's temptation and in St. Peter's discussion of Christ's suffering. Let's look at them in turn. St. Mark's account of the temptation of Jesus is characteristically laconic. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered unto him. With these few words, St. Mark says many things, all of which we could explore at some length. But the point I want to make is a very simple one. Jesus undergoes these things for our sake. His victory over temptation is for us. Not only does he give us an example of how to resist temptation, but he also makes it possible for us to share in his victory. As the letter to the Hebrews puts it, Christ was in every respect tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because of this, because of his triumph over temptation and his sympathy with our weakness, he opens the way for us to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ was there in the wilderness Forty days tempted of Satan for us. Our Lord was tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. So that, in the scripturally inflected words of the prayer book, by his grace we are able to triumph over every evil and to live not only unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us and rose again. One other thing to say about the gospel Did you notice how Mark ends his story of the temptation? 
He says, and the angels ministered unto him. Even in the wilderness, Jesus does not face temptation alone. He does so in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the ministration of angels. I think it's very important to see this because one of the chief lies of the enemy is that we are alone. Sin separates. It isolates us, makes us think we are alone and helpless. But this is a lie. It is not true. We are never alone, never forsaken. There's a story about the prophet Elisha that shows what I mean. In 2 Kings 6, we read that Elisha and his servant were once in his city, and one morning the servant went out and looked around and noticed that the city had been surrounded by an enemy army of horses and chariots, and predictably he was terrified. And the text says this, And his servant said unto Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. This is true of us. We are never alone. If we suffer temptations and trials, we do so in the company of Jesus, who has conquered sin and death. We are not alone. We belong to Christ. We have the help of his Holy Spirit. We have the help of our brother and sister Christians. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, sharing in the communion of saints, helped and defended by God's holy angels. You are not alone. If St. Mark shows our Lord mighty to save in the midst of temptation, then St. Peter, in our epistle, declares the power of God in a context of more general suffering and opposition. First Peter is addressed to Christians in the Eastern Roman Empire who are facing increasing animosity and perhaps avert persecution for their faith. And in this context, St. Peter points to the example of Christ's suffering and boldly proclaims Christ's victory as the basis for their hope. A few passages will show what I mean. So Peter opens the body of his letter by proclaiming the victory of Christ and the fruits of his redemption. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he ha we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And a little later, Peter calls Christians serving as slaves to respond to unjust treatment with blessing. He grounds this exhortation in the example of Christ's own suffering, and again points to the triumph of the cross. Christ also suffered for you, he says, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no guile was found on his lips. 
when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he trusted to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. This brings us into the neighborhood of our passage, where St. Peter is extending his teaching as a general principle for all Christians, no matter their state of life. Do not return evil for evil, he says, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Because, he says, it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Notice again how Christ's suffering is said to be for our sake. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He suffered and died for us. Why? That he might bring us to God. That we might return to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. That we might be healed and cleansed from sin. That we might be born anew and share in the risen life of the Lord Jesus. Christ suffered for us, Peter proclaims, that he might bring us to God. That, as he says even more forcefully somewhere else, that we might become partakers of the divine nature. Do you see how our whole passage resounds with confidence in the victory of Christ? Look again. Peter begins with the suffering of Christ, but he ends with his resurrection and exaltation. At the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And even that obscure portion in the middle of our passage about Christ preaching to the spirits in prison sounds a note of triumph. The idea here seems to be that Christ, after his resurrection, proclaimed his triumph over the fallen angels that were spoken of in Genesis 6, whose disobedience in the days before the flood brought about the mysterious Nephilim and led to the destruction of every living thing in the great deluge, save Noah only and they that were with him in the ark. In other words, the text is saying that Christ Jesus, through dying and rising again, has defeated our most ancient enemies. He has crushed the heads of the dragons. He has bruised the serpent's head. He has triumphed over every evil. Christ, as St. Paul says, has disarmed and spoiled the principalities and powers, triumphing over them in the cross. And therefore, we need not fear. We need not fear any enemy, knowing that Christ has won the victory. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, St. Peter says, but in your hearts reverence Christ as Lord. We need not fear, because through the grace of baptism, we share in Christ's victory. We need not fear, because we know that Christ our God will grant us power and strength to have victory and triumph over the devil, the world, and the flesh, over all our enemies by his grace. Lent is a season for learning the power of God, 
for finding our Lord mighty to save. I want to end with words from the Anglican theologian Kate Sonderegger, what she has to say about our passage in 1 Peter 3, because her words sum up all that I've been trying to say to you today. Professor Sonderegger says this, We are not left comfortless. We actually live in a world in which Christ is the true sovereign. It may look to us in the midst of what is sometimes difficult, perhaps unbearable for us. It may look to us as though others are in fact in charge of the world. But in virtue of the resurrection and ascension of Christ, there is one true judge and Lord, and this is Jesus Christ. And he knows us as the living stones of his own house, his own holy people. And whatever it is that life calls out of us and exacts on us, we are under his care, his good shepherding, and under the sign of his victory. So therefore, she says, I encourage you to place your hope in Christ, for he truly is the Lord of our lives and also of the whole world. And to that, I can only say, Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.